Good morning, Rogers Park. I'm John McGill, our associate pastor here. I got to tell you, I feel like I've already been ministered the word with Amy's testimony of faith in Indonesia in Romans 10. Boy, what a great job. <laughs> Grateful to be with you. We continue our, ser- our uh, sermon series in 1 Corinthians today with chapter 12, the beginning verses of that. We've been in 1 Corinthians now for seven months, and we've got a couple more months to go. For those of us that are newer here, let me just again set the stage as we begin a new little section here in 1 Corinthians, Paul's letter to the church there. The church in Corinth found itself in a very commercial city where social and economic status were highly valued and pagan gods were worshipped and there were all kinds of ways to move up in society. There were all kinds of enticements and temptations in a city that you would typically see of that size, kind of like Chicago. And in Chicago, we encounter temptations and enticements and there's ways to move up no matter what demographic you're from. There are, if you play your cards right, you can attain this kind of wealth or this kind of status. And because of this kind of culture, the church of Corinth often found itself dividing and developing factions because many of its members were simply vying for status just like the rest of their neighbors. Well, again, we find ourselves, chapter 12, Beginning here as Paul writes to shepherd the church in Corinth toward the ways of God which bind together in unity and love instead of the ways of the world which destroy and divide. Let's open up to chapter 12 verses 1 through 11. They read like this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again this morning that you have given us this opportunity yet again to open up your word, to hear what it is you desire to communicate to your local church, your church body. Father, I pray that all the things that are of the Spirit and not of me, that those things Dwell in, our, dwell in our hearts richly, Father, that we would apply them to our lives, Father, bring you glory, and continue to build your church. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, Paul starts out like this, verse 1, now concerning, if you see that in your text, if you're like me, you kind of like that phrase, Paul says, now concerning, as if 
he's been talking about a whole lot of other subjects, and he has, right? We looked at head coverings, we looked at roles of men and women, we looked at food sacrifice to idols, and then he says, now concerning as if, yes, we have yet another topic that's very important and we need to pay attention. Paul's going to stay within this topic for the next three chapters, verses, chapters 12 through 14, and we'll be looking at matters around this topic um, and their function in the church over the next few weeks. And he, Paul says here, now concerning spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts are gifts or giftings given by the Spirit to every follower of Christ for the building of the church. And if you already kind of knew that and you want a good technical definition, there's going to be one up here shortly. Hopefully you can read it. If not, I'm going to read it for you. A spiritual gift is when the Holy Spirit manifests his presence and imparts his power into and through individual believers to enable them to exceed the limitations of their finite humanity so that they might faithfully and effectively fulfill certain ministry tasks for the building up of the body of Christ. In preparation for this message, I read a 350-page book written by the author of that quote, so I felt I had to put him in here somewhere. (laughs) Excellent book, by the way. Now, before we learn how they benefit the church, we turn to the second part of verse 1 where we see Paul saying, I do not want you to be uninformed about the spiritual gifts. Our starting point today is that the Corinthians were greatly uninformed. They misapplied them to the detriment and division of the church. And we... As imperfect humans, we have a tendency as well to think wrongly about spiritual gifts, about how they're used and what it is that they do. Well, Paul says in verse 2, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols however you were led. Paul is being very blunt here. He's basically saying to the Corinthians, you used to worship these fake gods and meaningless statues, but for some reason you seem to have transferred over some of the pagan values to your new faith and worship in Christ. And we can do the same thing. It takes many different forms for us to do this. We may see our new faith, our new Christian faith as some kind of one-upmanship. We may use our new faith as a personal life hack. We may use the Bible as God's owner's handbook. There's a variety of ways that we misapply the faith. And apparently, as we will see in later passages, the Corinthians put a high value on the ecstatic or spectacular types of worship, which may look very odd to many of us in the room. And they seem to believe that the more miraculous displays indicated a higher level of spirituality. And so these new, authentic Christian expressions, some of them looking ecstatic, some of them looking very normal to our eyes, they, they were now gifted with them, and they must have excited them. They must have puffed up the church in Corinth. In Corinth. Now, just to be clear, whether or not you believe giftings like tongues and prophecy and healings exist today, no matter where you are on that subject, they definitely were present in the early church. And we will look at that at some point later. Now, because people in the church of Corinth had newfound giftings, it was common for them to show off their gifts in a competitive nature. 
The problem with that is if you are using your giftings in a competitive form, that greatly diminishes the using of the gift. And so one reason why Paul is talking about spiritual gifts here is to help the Corinthian church understand what true spirituality is and what true worship is. Look what Paul says immediately after he points out an issue in their thinking. In verses 4 through 6, we're going to read these. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Notice we heard the words, Spirit, Lord, God. The Holy Spirit, the Son, our Lord, God the Father. That is the Trinity. Meaning for today, when we explore the variety of gifts by the Spirit, we must think of them in terms of our Trinitarian God. How God works, the economy of the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit have distinct roles that complement each other's work in perfect harmony. The Father sends the Son to save us. The Holy Spirit brings us to know the Son so that we are reconciled back to God. When you see the perfection of the three persons of the Godhead working together, it gives us a beautiful model for how the variety of gifts are to be used in the church today. And so for this middle portion of our time, we are going to zero in on three points regarding this variety of spiritual gifts. Number one, spiritual gifts are given to every follower of Christ. Two, spiritual gifts are used to build up the church. Three, Spiritual gifts are given to us by grace. So let's look at that first point. Spiritual gifts are given to every follower of Christ. Did you know that? If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit has given you at least one spiritual gift. He may have given given you more than one. Some of you may be thinking, oh, really? We find this in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, emphasis on the word each. That means every single follower of Christ, everyone who believes that's in this room. They aren't given to only the most outwardly spiritual, outwardly holy people. They aren't given to only the people that are most visible in their teaching and leading and organizing. They certainly aren't given to only people with a lot of resources who might use them for the building of the church. Speaking of resources and so forth. It, it is, we got a few weeks till Easter. And as a kid, I received a normal amount of Christmas presents, but I never received any Easter presents. Apparently, there is some kind of bunny that delivers those, and the bunny never made it to my house. And I had a friend, he'd get these big Easter baskets, and, and he would get like a Nintendo game, and in 1990, those things were like 50 bucks, you know? And, and I was just this helpless kid, right? You know, I, he gets this, I get that. Nothing I could do about it. Well, with our gift-giving God, all of us receive at least one great, real, spiritual gift. There's no social hierarchy involved, which is pretty awesome. 
If you have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, if the Holy Spirit has done a convicting work in your heart and you have come to a place of repentance, if you have come to that place where you understand that Jesus has purchased your salvation on the cross because of your debt from sin, that which divides you from God, and you are at a place where you understand that you now have new life, If you are that person, that means the Holy Spirit not only has orchestrated a new heart in you, he has also given you spiritual gifts, at least one. And if you aren't feeling like your gift is strong, the Spirit has ways of making it grow. When we come to know Jesus, Jesus takes residence in our hearts. And because Jesus dwells in our hearts, the Holy Spirit is active within us and making us more like Jesus as time moves forward, giving Jesus even greater space to govern our lives as we continue to follow him. So when the text says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, verse 7, you can see that the Spirit's working to make us more like Jesus is intending to do so so that the people we encounter are able to encounter Jesus in us. To strengthen their faith. That's why the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. The abilities within us that are specifically spirit-empowered are clearly meant for the common good. Verse 7 as well. Which brings us to our second point. Spiritual gifts are used to build up the church. Spiritual gifts are used to edify, to comfort, to build up the church. That's why they are in this room. In the New Testament, you find a few lists of gifts. Here's a listing of all the gifts that are mentioned throughout the New Testament. As you can see, there's, so I apologize that you have to squint here, but um, there are 22 gifts or so that are typically mentioned. Sometimes there are slightly different numbers depending on how the theologians, um, how experts in spiritual gifts, Christian scholars that, that really like the subject dig into the subject. And... Um, You probably can't read all of them. Miracles, kinds of healings, helps, administration, leadership, mercy, faith. It's also possible that there are other gifts on the list. And I would take that stance as well as long as the gift is within the guardrails of Scripture. Some of the gifts we find in Romans, and I mention Romans because we won't be reading these gifts in these texts here, but some of them include serving, If you have the gift of serving, that person is typically ready to labor to meet practical needs and does that with a posture of love, very prevalent amongst our deacons, very prevalent amongst our small group leaders. I also think of people like Dave Hansen and Matthew Zacharias who are here hours before 10 a.m. to set up the classrooms and the signage and tables and so forth. People like Emily Razor, Kim Maffin, Kristen Hill, those are other great examples of people that have serving as a part of their gifting set. And there are many, many other people out here that have equal and just as strong a gifting sets of serving within you as well. We just don't have time to mention everyone. Giving or generosity, that would be another type of gift here that's listed in Romans. A person with this gifting really delights in finding needs and then giving to that need, typically money to support that need. Actually, my wife Nikki has the spiritual gift of generosity. A number of years ago, we were leading a, a small group, and one of the couples was greatly struggling with infertility. And the wife had mentioned to the group that there was a a very promising procedure 
and, but they couldn't afford it. And so Nikki, um, that week, she received a work bonus. And, well, we concluded our group. But at, right after the group left, Nikki felt this very intense desire to give this bonus to the wife. We prayed about it that night, and the next day, Nikki gave her work bonus to that lady. And that lady cried tears of joy. And Nikki felt really great. And it was very clear to Nikki that that money was supposed to go to that couple. She had been prompted by the Spirit and was obedient to it. Nikki has the gift of generosity. There's a lot that I learned from her. Her gifting in that area is stronger than mine. And we have the same bank account. And if, <laughs> if you are a married couple, you all too should have the same bank account. But generosity, with my wife's leading, is a major part of our household. Within Romans, we also see leadership. I think of people like Joe Kim. Comes, his name's written all over leadership. Same with many of our mom small group leaders. A lot, of, a lot of our other small group leaders have leadership within their gifting set as well. Sorry that I cannot call it every, everyone's gift. If we were to take two hours of our time and go to every single person and name out the gifts, that would be a really good use of time. We should be calling out each other's gifts. By the way, I'm certain that the ladies have more gifts than the guys. <laughs> the ones we find here in our text today, verses 8 through 10, let's read through them, starting with verse 8, first part of it. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. In short, this is the supernatural ability to know how to respond to a situation or know how to direct and encourage someone to live out a situation according to the gospel. Second part of verse 8, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. Someone who has the gift of knowledge is empowered with a supernatural ability to know something that helps you minister to that person at that particular time. And it's typically a piece of scripture that comes to your mind. The Holy Spirit brings that piece of scripture to your mind. You give it to that person at the exact time that that person needs it doesn't have to be scripture, but it simply has to be in the guardrails of scripture. Verse 9, to another faith by the same spirit. Someone that has the gift of faith is like the crazy optimists in the room that know that God is going to handle a situation. Doesn't matter if it's a personal situation. Doesn't matter if it's a church-wide situation. The people with the gifting of faith remind us that God has the situation in the palm of his hand. We need those people. Second part of verse 9, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit. This could be various giftings of various types of healings. Here we're starting to get into the overtly supernatural. And I know of accounts that you would not believe but let me just give you a couple notes here on the gifts of healings. First off, if you have the gift of healing or if someone has the gift of healing, that person is not able to heal at will. That person is only able to heal as the Holy Spirit empowers that person specifically for that 
person needing healing at that moment. One other note we should know about healing is that we can remember that the gift of healing works through very experienced doctors, works through exact combinations of medicines, works, the Holy Spirit works through perfect procedures to heal someone. We find five more gifts in verse 10. Let's read those. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Distinguishing spirits. Another name for that is discernment. That's basically, if you have that gift, you are able to to discern what is of God or what is not of God. That can help the church at times clear up confusion or perhaps conflict. Now, you heard in the text, again, the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. I'm not going to touch those today because chapter 13 talks about those a little bit and chapter 14 goes into greater clarity and detail. So we will look at those in a few weeks. So sit tight if that's of major interest to you. And it should be. All right, let's turn to our third point about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are given to us by grace. A lot of times we give gifts because we love someone. doesn't matter if they know Jesus or not. And we use occasions like one's birthday or an anniversary to give a gift as an act of love. Other times we give gifts because of accomplishments. When someone graduates, when someone does something good, maybe you close a large deal for the company, often you get a gift for something like that. But the spiritual gifts are never given because of our accomplishments. The spiritual gifts are given by grace. There's absolutely nothing we can do to earn a spiritual gift. And even if I were to give a gift to my wife, I'm giving a gift to her because she's my wife and I love her. But the spiritual gifts are not given to us because of who we are. They are given to us because of who Jesus is in us. When we can say, my life is no longer defined by who I am and all the muck that comes with that, but rather who Jesus is in me, my new identity, and all the benefits that come with that, that's when the Spirit gives us our gifts by grace. And they are a foretaste of heaven to come. The gift of healing, that's a foretaste of perfect health that we will have in eternity. Spiritual gifts are things that you all want to use because they yield great things. And your gift was given to you to meet a need in the church. Hear that out. If you are not using your gift, that means that you are likely letting an unmet need settle out there. You have your gift because of grace. It's grace given to you. If you're not using your gift, you are withholding grace. We are to give out grace. That is why we are given gifts. All right, so we've established that we need to use our gifts to edify, comfort, build up the church, which means we have an application to tackle. At this point, you might be wondering, what are my spiritual gifts? Great question. Well, some of you know what they are. You are using them every Sunday or throughout the week. Many of you may not know what your gifts are. That is okay. We can also pray for gifts that we don't have yet. That is okay as well. 
But if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a believer, a Christian, there are ways that you can find out what your spiritual gifts are. First off, if you are in a small group, you should ask your small group, what are my spiritual gifts? People that have seen you up close, people that can give a good, accurate assessment. You can also take a spiritual gifts test. Now, here's the thing. I looked at a lot of tests this week. I even took one myself. I like spiritual gifts tests, but I don't love them. And most of the spiritual gifts experts, they they do not give a strong recommendation, right? Because a lot of times we answer questions according to what we think the answer yields and so forth. And really, our gifts are a gift of the Spirit, of Spirit empowerment right at the moment when the Spirit wants to use them. But... They are good conversation starters, so say tomorrow at our small group leader gathering, if you want a couple recommendations for spiritual gifts tests, I'd be happy to give you a couple. But there is a better way to know what our spiritual gifts are. And the best way to know what your spiritual gifts are, are to serve. The best way to know what your spiritual gifts are, are to serve. Now, I don't know if anyone in here knows this, but 13, 14 years ago, I tried out for the Near North worship bands. I wanted to be one of the singers. I liked the songs. The songs were doing a stirring work in my heart, stirring my affections for God. And I thought I could carry a tune. And I still think I could carry a tune. (laughs) But it turns out, that when I auditioned for these bands, each time I could not sing harmony. Harmony does not come natural to me. So if I were to be in one of the worship bands, that would be a complete disaster. God had other plans. When I was 28, 20, by the way, I asked Nikki, you know, if she ever knew that. I asked her a couple days ago. I apparently never told her. So, well, when I was 28, 29, 30, 28, 29, before I met Nikki, I decided to serve at the new 5 p.m. Saturday night uh, service, teaching the elementary uh, children's ministry every single Saturday. Wasn't very good to start off, but I liked it, kept at it, kept trying, asked the Holy Spirit to help me. He kept on giving me help. Now, I was certain that serving in this ministry was a very good thing, but I wasn't sure if this ministry was for me, right? And plus, When you're 28 and you live in Chicago and you're single and it's mid-July and it's 4.30 on a Saturday afternoon, all of your friends are at the beach. So I thought, you know what? I want to be with them. I'm just going to quit. Maybe I'll do something else. Maybe not. But I prayed about it. And God answered a prayer within the next few days. During the Sunday night service, The lead pastor had a candle lit up front, and he said, you see this candle? This is one of the kids in our Saturday night elementary children's ministry. Just became a follower of Christ through that ministry. So I thought, okay, you know what? I will continue to serve in that ministry. Did that so for a couple more years. And because I was serving, the Spirit was able to help me understand what kinds of giftings and capacities the church could use me in. And I served in other places as well. I began uh, as a small group leader, and I found out I really liked doing that. And I liked taking groups through Scripture, and I liked facilitating fellowship, and it was great to, to bring groups of guys over to the women's shelter and serve, serve meals. 
I like taking people through hard issues and wrestling with them. There are all sorts of ways that the Spirit began to give me clarity into the types of giftings that he could empower. All that gave me clarity in the types of giftings that the Spirit was working in me because I was serving. The Spirit strengthened the gifts he had over time. By the way, if you heard teaching or preaching in there as a gifting, you came here on the arm of a friend, know that your friend probably already told you that we have stronger preachers in the room like Phil and Jamie, so the remedy for that is simply come next week and you can hear Phil Adams dive into Scripture. (laughs) Serving has a way of shaping our hearts for the Lord. And part of that is because, as followers of Christ, we are not called to be spectators of the church, of what happens on stage. We are not called to be only consumers of all the various resources that the church offers. A lot of our own spiritual growth happens when we serve, and no wonder that the Spirit empowers us with gifts that we are supposed to build up the church. There are also growth benefits for us. Where can you put your gifts to use in the church? Let me first acknowledge the people that are serving. There are people here that are serving every single week. There are people that are here at 7 a.m. to set up classrooms and signage and audiovisual equipment. Maybe you're interested in being on a setup crew. That would be a humongous blessing to the church. Get in touch with Dave Hansen. If you don't know him, I'd be happy to introduce you to him. You can also go to the connections table and get to know him there as well. Maybe you'd like to invest in children. You can teach children, you can teach adults. It's really cool when you see that light bulb go off in children's heads. Maybe you don't have an interest in teaching children, but you have some kind of gifting that wants you to facilitate a fun environment in the children's ministry. There are other ways to serve. You, you don't have to know your Bible that well, but you do have, need to have a, heart, a large heart for children. Maybe you have a large heart for infants. You have a caring type of gifting. There's spaces open for the nursery. We need people there as well. When we have small group leaders that are doing a phenomenal job teaching, caring, encouraging, helping, leading, utilizing a whole wide variety of gifts according to their gifting, maybe someday you'd like to be a small group leader, please let me know if that is the case. I'd be happy to walk alongside you in that. If you are not in a small group, get into one and you can hone skills that way. Ladies, we need ladies to lead single ladies groups. We, up until recently, we had a lot of ladies, a lot of single ladies that were leading single ladies groups, and because they did such a great job leading their group, they all got married. <laughs> right? Does that sound right? <laughs> Maybe you have a strong desire to get the gospel message out to the community. After all, the church was not meant to be a holy huddle. Get in touch with the evangelism team. Maybe you're a great administrator and you can orchestrate events, find ways to share the gospel with people outside these walls. By the way, grab one of these cards, one person, one question. Who's that person that God has placed on your heart to start a spiritual conversation with? Who's that person that you can invite to our Easter service? If you don't have one of these, please grab one of these. This is for every follower of Christ in the room. You have to grab one of these. I say that with a smile on my, play, on my face. There are a wide variety of gifts 
wide variety of ways to serve God's church. You don't have to be someone visible or have all the Bible knowledge in the world to serve. You can simply just ask, where can I serve? God gives out a variety of gifts because he knows that we were not meant to do this alone. We can't do the Christian life alone. In fact, we cannot do any life alone. That is why he sent his son, Jesus. God is the giver of all good gifts. And Jesus came to earth not to be served, but to serve. He came here with you and me in mind on his way to the cross. He is the embodiment of servanthood. And we can be completely secure knowing that he has given us all the grace we need to serve and not look back to the life that tears down, but rather to the life that builds up. So church, let us respond knowing that out of all the gifts, Jesus is our greatest gift. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again this morning. We bless you, Father, knowing that you have given us the gift of Jesus. And with that, Father, we are doubly blessed, Father, that you continue to empower us. You you continue to shape us like your son. You get us out of darkness and into the light 